You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, we're in a uh, series this morning uh, in 1 Corinthians. And, you know, it's amazing when a person surrenders their life to Christ and when God saves you and things kind of finally click in your heart and you realize that what you've been missing is that personal relationship with God, not a re- just a religion for religion's sake, not a set of rules, not just something you believe, but a relationship with the God of heaven. There's a, an amazing amount of things that happen in your life. And one of those things is, is that God puts you in his family. You go from being separated from him to actually not being just united with him and forgiven and all of that, but he puts you in his family. And then what he does in the process of that is he wants to put you in a local family. And that's one of the pictures of what church is all about. It's not so much a service we go to or a building that we walk into as it is a people that we connect with and that we're committed to and that that God has done that amazing thing in our life. And like all of our families... Uh, there are expectations that God puts on us when we are in his family. You know, when my kids were younger and I'm continuing to retrain and reprogram my mind because I don't want to be that 60-year-old dad, you know, who's looking at his 40 or 30-year-old kids and still calling them kids. So I don't really have that many kids anymore. They're kind of adult kids. So you guys can fill me in. I don't know if we call them offspring or... I mean, adults, I know they're adults, but I'm not going to say my adults. I don't know, that seems weird, but you can help me figure that one out later. But, you know, when we were in a family, when you guys were brought up in your family, there were expectations that were put on you. And every parent in there, you know, as they have children and those are responsibilities, there's kind of the written rules, the declared rules, and the unwritten ones. And some of those things that, that, that parents naturally want for their kids that we're going to discover there's three of them that God wants for us and his family. God wants us to mature. That's a good thing, right? Mom and dad, you want your kids to mature. And sometimes you're like, I don't know if this kid is ever going to grow up. Like, I don't mean grow up physically, if they're ever going to mature, right? God wants us to not be that kid. He wants us to mature. He wants us to grow. And those two things are not identical. They're related. And he wants us to be prepared to prepare for that next step in life, right? Those next things, because we know as parents, there's stuff coming down the line. And it's, it is a whitewater rapid journey. Is it not parenting? Is it not? And even as your kids become adults, you never, even, the journey even gets a little fiercer, right? Because they're not in your own house and you're like, oh my goodness, and it's crazy. So three things that God wants us to do. He wants us to mature, he wants us to grow, and he wants to prepare us. So turn with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We're going to look at those three things that Paul is challenging the church at Corinth all about this morning. 1 Corinthians 3, we're going to look at the chapter. And after uh, I share a little bit, Jeremy is going to come up and he's going to lead us in a time of worship and focusing on the fact that Jesus has died for us as we celebrate the Lord's table, the Lord's supper together. So pray with me first before we read God's scripture, would you? Father, I'm grateful, so excited to be here this morning especially to open your word together. Lord, I am amazed at how you reveal yourself to us through the truths found in this book and how it changes our life through a relationship with you. And Lord, I'm amazed at how you put us together in a family, not just generically or generally in the world, but tangibly right here locally where there's 
flesh and bone and body and faces and people who are in your family that we get to walk in that journey together with. And Father, I pray this morning as we together, as this local family in Ona's River, I pray that you would speak truth into our hearts, that you would help us to each mature, to continue to grow, and to continue to be prepared for the future that you have for us. God, we pray for this in the precious name of your son Jesus, because he died for us. He, he is Lord. We pray this in his name. Amen. Read with me if you would. Look at 1 Corinthians 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, there's one in the chair, or you can look on the screen, uh, or flip your phone open, whichever. The Bible says this, But I, brothers, Paul's writing to the church at Corinth, and brothers and sisters, and he says, I, brothers, could not address to you as spiritual people. I'd like to talk to you like you're spiritual, but you're not, is what he's saying. But I had to address you as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. Paul is introducing a concept to us, telling us that there's two kinds of Christians, two kind of buckets. Uh, last week we didn't focus on it, but he says everyone is kind of born into this natural human state, but God the Holy Spirit does something in your life and he changes you and he saves you and he reveals God to you and you become a child of his and you become a spiritual person. But then once you become a Christian, it's not all over. I mean, we're saved and we're forgiven and that's a done deal and nothing can ever change that. But there's kind of two kinds of Christians that we can be in every moment. And sometimes we're spiritual, mature, and sometimes we're what the Bible here says of the flesh, more immature. In other words, we're following our own natural desires again. We're not following what God wants in the Holy Spirit. We're following Him. And Paul says... I couldn't talk to you as a church like you're spiritually mature people. You're just people who are Christian, yep, going to heaven, yep, believe in Jesus, yep. Are you really following God today? Nope, I couldn't talk to you like one of those people. Continue on, look what he has to say. That's not a compliment, by the way, okay? In case I confused all of that, he's not complimenting them at all, all right? And it's, he's doing it under the leadership of God. So God is like, you guys are immature and you're not following me. Verse 2, he says this, I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. You couldn't enjoy a nice T-bone steak, lobster. I, I couldn't even get up to baby food. You're back just drinking milk, and you should be way down the road spiritually. He says, and even now, you are not ready. That's when I was there, and you're still not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? You're, you're, you've got no vertical living. Your living is just purely horizontal, following your own what makes sense and your own plans, and, and you should know better. You're not living as you should. He goes on and he says in verse 4, he explains it a little bit further. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human. First expectation God has of you and me when we trust him as Jesus is Lord of our life, he expects us to mature in our faith. He expects us to follow him. He expects us to act as that spiritual person in our life. He wants us to 
grow up in essence and to mature. Now, maturing is different than, just, different than just growing older, right? There is somebody who can be 18 years old who can act very mature for their age. And then there's someone that can act eight, who can be 18 years old but act very immature. Has nothing to do, maturity doesn't really directly correlate to your age or your growth and definitely not to your height, right? You're tracking with me? Paul says, guys, you, have, you are older but you are acting like that teenager that really should be a little more mature in your life than you really are. There is zero vertical living in your life. You're not living your life with an eye toward heaven, with a, a life of surrender to Jesus Christ. You do know him, you are saved, you are forgiven of your sins, but you're living in a way that makes common sense. You're, you're following your own wisdom. You're following your own plan. And you're, you're making your own way into this world. Now, something that I want us to be aware of in churches is we miss this basic fact. It's very simple. In fact, a lot of people who have been Christians for a long time miss this. And I want you and I to realize this, that maturity is not a function of knowledge. Maturity is not a function of how much you know the Bible. Maturity is not a function of how long you've been a Christian, if you know all the books of the Bible, and if you know all the people that are in the Bible, and if you know what the Bible says and all that. That's not a function of maturity here. So often we have in our minds, and I'm speaking to those of you who've been uh, following Christ for a very long time, and we can look at ourselves, well, I'm mature, and that, that brand new person in Christ is very immature, and, and, and if we're not careful... We make maturity something different than what Paul is talking about here. He says, guys, you're immature, and I'm grading you on this. I'm judging you on this. I'm judging, making a, uh, I'm calling the ball like a referee, if you will, because of your behavior, not because of your knowledge. You see, God wants our behaviors to change. Do we need to grow in our faith and know more of Him and know, know more in the Bible? Absolutely, and we'll advocate that all day long. And that's why we did, you know, two winters ago, like a theology class all winter long and had lunch. It was fantastic afterwards teaching uh, us about that. And it's why we teach through the Bible so that we can learn the Bible and we can understand those truths and who God is. But I want us to realize the goal in the Christian life is not to get the Christian diploma at the end of this thing. We're not shooting for, you know, the Ph.D. and whatever. And what God is wanting in our life is He wants to mature us. In fact, we'll see in a minute, He wants to even go beyond just maturity. He wants to grow us. Maturity is a function of our behavior. Paul says, look, let's look at the evidence. He says, are you not full of jealousy and there's strife among you? He's like, guys, you're not acting like a mature church. I don't care how much you know about the gifts of the Spirit, some of the stuff that's coming down the line in a little bit. I don't care how you, know, how you may think that you're spiritual and got all of this stuff going on. Let's look at some evidence and some realities. Look at all the jealousy. Look at the strife. Not necessarily just open conflict and fights going on, you know, if, if one of you stays home, you know, from, from a service and sick, whatever. So how, do you, how did it go? You might ask your family member or spouse or friend. Oh, you wouldn't believe it. We got, I watched everybody get into a fist fight. It was a brawl. The cops had to be called. You know, it was crazy. Paul's not talking about that. But there is kind of a one-upsmanship going on. A lot of self-focus, just 
below the scene, below the water, behind the scenes, just drama and conflict. And Paul's like, guys, the root of this is you're, you're immature. What God is telling us is, is people is that our behavior is what really should matter. God is looking at that. Guys, if you've been a Christian for a long time, I want you to take a real stock in your life. We can begin to tr get tr be comfortable and to take credit and take comfort in the fact that we just know stuff and the fact that we've got it. I'll tell you a secret. When a person trusts Christ and in that moment they surrender their life to Him, and in those early days, when that person is trying to understand, well, what does that mean? Because Jesus changes everything. It affects the way you live. It affects the way you spend your money. It affects your relationships. It affects decisions you make. And when that person steps out in faith and they trust God, they're acting maturely. When that person says, God, I've just, I've really blown this. I just... I got angry, forgive me, God. And they're beginning to walk through that. That's maturity. I would rather hang out with a bunch of people that are brand new Christians that don't have a clue what's in the book of Revelation because they haven't had a chance to read it yet than Christians that have been saved for 30 years but have gotten so rule-oriented, so, so crusty that, and so resting on just their knowledge that they've forgotten what it means to continue to mature and in their... In their life, they've allowed all this other stuff to creep in, which Paul says is immature. I'd rather hang out with that new and fresh growing person than some of us when we become Christians that we just let our Christianity devolve into what we know rather than the life that God calls us to. So he's challenging you and me. He's not challenging the brand new Christians here. He's telling them at Corinth, he's like, you guys should know better. You're immature. Look at your behavior. And let's call it. So God wants to mature us. He wants to mature us. Second thing God wants to do is He wants to grow us in our faith. He wants, to, wants us to grow. Paul, look at what he says in verse 5. He says, what then is Apollos? If you were here two or three weeks ago, Paul is kind of harping on this. I mean, in fact, I'll tell you a secret. He talks about it again in chapter 4. This is a big deal. The church was divided. They had a bunch of heroes in the faith, and some it was Paul, and some were calling out to Peter, and other Apollos, and all of that. And Paul's like, what are you guys doing? What is going on? And he comes back to that here in verse 5, and he says this. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? We're servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. There's no division, no separated one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Paul says, look, all the leaders who've been in your church, when I was there planting the church among you and, and Apollos came in and watered that and taught you and built you up in your faith and continued to multiply the church, he said, look, you, you, you've got too much horizontal living and thinking. You're, you're keep creating little fanboy clubs, you know. You're, it's like walking into to the church together and we've got the Yankees here and we've got the Mets here, you know, we've got the Red Sox here and, and like, get, cut that all out. 
All of those leaders are one before God. We together are God's co-laborers working underneath him and for and before him. And so what Paul is telling us is he says, guys, we as God's field, as God's garden, shall we say, God wants to grow us in that. He wants the seed to be planted. He wants the seed of the gospel of the truth of his word and who he is to be planted into our hearts. And he wants it to be watered. And God uses multiple people to do that, not just one, multiple people. You know, river of life is not all about one person. It's not all about two people or three people. It's about, it's about God. It's not even about ultimately us. It's not even our church. It's his church, right? Maybe we can act all spiritual. Well, it's not, you know, it's not your church, Sean, and I know that, and that's great. It's not even our church. It really belongs to him. So what God wants to do in our life collectively and individually is for us to mature. He wants to change our life, but he wants to continue to grow us in that faith. He wants it just like a gardener, planting those seeds. And he wants that to be watered, and so that, that fruit, that shoot to come up in our life and he wants it to bear fruit, and he wants it to multiply. One of the values, we have you know, lots of things that we believe as a church, and that's what our Discover class is all about. You know, we talk about that, and we kind of peel back the curtain and share a lot of things. But we have three or four things that we value that are they're biblical, but they're things that we just want to kind of be who we are that you kind of see you know, all the time. And one of those is, is that, that we highly value people being changed for the better continually their entire life. Nobody ever arrives. Every one of us got up this morning with a need to mature, with a need to grow in our relationship and our walk with Jesus. Everybody walk, walked in the, the room, the building today, is at that point in their life. We're all on an even playing field on that one. And Paul says, quit the, the, the whole groupy thing is undermining all of this. Here's what's amazing, what Paul tells us is, this growth that happens is not horizontally based. It's not because of one pastor or one life group leader or one person who's this or one teacher who is that. It's really about God. How many of you have a garden or, I mean, flowers, vegetables? Uh, let me ask you this question. How many say you have a garden but know that you really don't and really want one? That would be me, right? I know those. I, I know what that garden looks like. I'm okay with that one. Some of you really got the real like deal garden and got it going on and all of that. And you can talk fertilizers and all of that stuff. You know, we really don't make those things grow, do we? Even if you're good at it. The only thing that we do is we provide the environment for the growth to happen. We're checking soil and water, or any of the water of the garden, or it's hot, or protecting it, or this needs shade, or that, and nutrients, and feeding it, and all of that. But we really don't make any of that grow. We provide the environment. That's what happens in our life. See, as a church, we're on this spiritual journey, and we are trying to, as a, together as a church, to create an environment where you and I can each grow, because I need to grow as well, grow in our walk with Christ, grow in our relationship with Him, grow in our faith. But at the end of the day, God is the one who does it. 
We just are trying to put in an environment to make sure there's no toxic chemicals in the soil, make sure that there's not too much sun, if you will, and not too much water, but trying to create that kind of environment for us. In fact, that's what really a, a service, we call this, you know, many will call it a worship service. We could equally call it a growth service. Because even this morning is about us worshiping God. But when we worship God, it always creates growth in us. Think about Moses. Do you remember the story of Moses minding his own business, taking care of a bunch of sheep on the hillside? I don't know what he was thinking about. And he sees this bush one day and he's like, oh, there's a bush on fire over there. Okay. And he's looking around, probably looking for lions or bears or whatever. Oh, that bush is still on fire. Oh, wow. And he's looking around and he's used to normal things like that bush is going to stop burning. And after a while, he's a pretty observant guy. And he's like, I got to go check this out. That bush doesn't seem to be burning out. Like, what's the deal? And he goes over to this bush. It's been on fire for apparently hours, a long time. And God begins to speak to him out of this bush. The whole point is not that the bush was holy or anything. The whole point is that God knew that Moses would notice a bush on fire and would get his attention and go over there. And as Moses comes to that bush, God speaks to him out of that bush. And he says, Moses, Moses. He says, take your shoes off, son. This is holy ground. Which, by the way, means you and I are so clueless that we can be in the presence of God and not get it. God had to inform him. He said, this is holy ground. Take your shoes off. An act of worship, of recognizing the majesty and glory of Almighty God. Do you think Moses walked away from that moment of worship changed just a little bit? I do. I think that grew him just a little bit. He walked out of there knowing the personal name of God. You see, you and I can't ever worship God without it changing us. It, 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 as we worship Him and as we experience the holiness and the reality and the majesty of Almighty God, it changes our life. As we realize the fact that we are sinners before God and guilty, but we realize that God did the unthinkable, the unthinkable, the unimaginable, that He sent His Son Jesus to pay for those sins and gladly, voluntarily did it. No one in the universe put Him up to it. Nobody held a knife to his throat and said, you got to do this. Nobody could dare even do that. He just said, I'm going to do it because I want to. Not because we are earned or anything. And Jesus came and he gave his life on the cross for you and for me. And when we realize that incredible sacrifice and love, and I mean, it really connects and it really clicks. There is nothing that can happen in our human heart but a, a gratitude and a, a worship and a desire for Him and a, and a thanksgiving and a surrendering of our life to Him. And it changes us. And, that, and then as we live in that, and as we worship Him, and as we sing, even as we open His Word, it is that worship that leads us to growth and causes us to grow in our relationship and our faith with Him. And as we live our life running into the obstacles of life and the challenges and the headaches and the questions and the, the, the unknown and all of the crazy stuff that we go through, all of that is God, what God is doing is it's, life is not so much an obstacle course that we've got to get through, 
What's that reality show that's kind of popular? Is American Ninja, is that it? Where they're, I mean, they're all of the just crazy, you know, I would totally never do that. I'd be like the first thing and I would be down. You know, it's my brain, I think I could do that. But reality is a whole nother level, right? And, and life is not just like that show where we just need to, at the end of the day, survive or, you know, somehow make it or somehow get our kids to where they can succeed and be well. What God is doing in life is all of those obstacles or opportunities for God to show up and reveal His majesty and His glory and His presence in our life. Because as we run into those, they're not just obstacles of life. They are faith obstacles. They are lessons. They are opportunities that God is wanting us to step forward in that spiritual life, growing in our relationship with Him and our worship of Him, revealing Himself to us. And as He does that, and as we truly worship Him, it changes us. In fact, I would submit to you, if you and I ever go and we walk away from, I don't care if it's a Christian concert that you think is awesome and you got the vibe going and, you know, or whatever, and you walk away feeling good, that's, that's okay and that's great. But if it doesn't change you, you really haven't worshipped. You maybe have just listened to the latest, greatest song on the radio or whatever and it made you just feel all so nice. Worship at nature, at heart, always changes us. It grows us. It grows us in our walk with Him. That's why when the Bible says Paul is praying, when we looked at Colossians, just uh, Epaphras, he just said he prays constantly for you that you may know God because he wanted us to grow. So guys, every one of us in this room needs to grow in our relationship with Him. Very simply put, we need to mature more and we need to grow my question to you is, where is God trying to grow you this morning? Is it in your faith? Is it in a joy? Is it in perseverance? Is it just simply trusting God? Is it simply allowing God to be enough and to not be seeking and pursuing all the other stuff? Whatever it is that's going on in your life, good, medium, or bad, all things that God is wanting to do to grow us. I'm going to share this last little thing and, and then I'm going to step aside and let us walk into that moment of worship of remembering in a very special, tangible way that Jesus died for us. Paul goes one step farther and he says, not only should you mature, not only should you grow, but you also should be prepared. He says in verse 10, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, which are awesome things, or wood, hay, and straw, which in this case are not so awesome things, each one's work will become manifest for the day, big capital D, day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Gold, silver, precious stones don't burn up in this picture. Wood, hay, and straw, poof, gone. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, 
though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Paul is saying, guys, he's writing to a local church, group like us, and he says, guys, there's a lot of people that are doing their ministry and bringing in for the benefit of the church. And there's a day coming when all that you and I do is going to be tested by the fire. The world initially, the first time the world was destroyed was by a flood. It was by water. Noah's flood circumvented the whole world. The next time when this world ends, and it will end, we can't save the world forever. We should be good stewards of it and take care of why we have it, right? Just like every parent wants their kid, clean up your room. I know this room's not going to last forever, but could it at least make it through Thursday? You know, that might be nice. No toxic chemical spills or anything growing in here. Should be taken care of. But ultimately, our hope is not in keeping this planet forever. As Christians, our hope is in the eternity in heaven. And this world is going to burn one day, and everything is going to be tried by a fire. Even our ministries and the way we've lived our life and our works. So think about this like a parent wanting their kid to be prepared and ready for life for those next steps, right? Paul is telling us, guys... It matters how we live, and it matters the ministry. You see, Paul was facing some people. There were some people that claimed to be doing good for the church and to be teaching good things, but they weren't. Paul laid a good foundation on Jesus Christ, but there were some people that were building out of their spiritual gifts that they thought and out of their own wisdom, which was more reality. And they were building, but it was wood, hay, and straw. Remember the story of uh, the three little pigs, right? House of what? Straw, house of sticks, and what's the third one? Bricks, right? I'm going to huff, I'm going to puff. Love that story as a kid. Probably there was somebody who was scared to death of that. No wolves, you know, when they were a little kid. Please, daddy, is the wolf going to blow my room down? No, he won't blow the room down. I can imagine for some it was traumatic, but I liked the story as a kid. It's the same deal. You and I... God has put into our life and put us into a family, an incredible thing when we have a relationship with Him and, and salvation with Him. And He's put us together to build on that and to continue the work together. He's not just talking to the pastors here, if you will, of the church at Corinth. He's talking to all of us. And He's saying, make sure that the ministry that you do fits with all of God's word. Make sure that Jesus is the one who's being glorified. Make sure you're not doing it in your own wisdom. Just because somebody might be the CEO of an international bank doesn't mean that they should, they know how to lead and run in a church. It says, make sure you're following God's wisdom, God's plans. Make sure that you're following God's purposes for God's glory leading people to Christ, helping people know Him, helping people grow. There's a lot of people that were spouting wisdom. I'll, I'll tell you a secret. Many people look at Corinthians and they're trying to understand, what's this tongues thing all about? What's all this crazy stuff? And, you know, how, and that comes later on in chapters 12 and 14. I'll tell you a secret. You can't understand that until you understand 1 Corinthians 1, 2, 3, and 4. Because you know what the spiritual gift that they were really into more than even that? It was wisdom. And they kept talking wisdom, and everybody had their latest wisdom. And Paul's like, your wisdom is garbage. It's not God's wisdom. And so when you and I 
as we minister and as we serve, building up the local family together, we have to make sure that the motivation is right, that the ministry is in such a way that it will stand the test of time, the trial. Because the wolf, the day of the wolf, if you will, is coming when this world will end and our eternity is going to be on display. What Paul says for those individuals who know Jesus and they've done a lot in the church, but it's been their own doing and ultimately it's hurt the church. They thought they were doing good, but God says, no, it's just wood, hay, and stubble. He says to that individual, yeah, they're going to heaven, but they're going to suffer loss. Their work is going to be completely burned up, and they will be saved. For them, going to heaven will be like somebody whose house is on fire, and they just barely escape with their life. And I don't understand how that all works out, but they're going to have a loss in that process. But for those who have walked in the Spirit, lived a spiritual life, filled with His Spirit, leaning on Him, listening to Him, serving and giving their life to what God has, has for them, when they die and the fire comes, their reward stays. Not just their salvation, they're on the way to heaven too, but the reward for a life lived out of service and honor to God will last for all of eternity. Guys, you and I need to take stock with what kind of materials we're building that temple of God because God pays attention to it and will it stand the test of time? So where is your life this morning? Are you building for an eternity? You know, if you're like me, I can in my, we all have houses and stuff we have to take care of. I'm right in the middle of remodeling a floor and let me just tell you, when you tear up your carpet and you find a license plate is what the last people use to cover a hole, it's never a good sign. You know, I've gone through three bags of floor leveler and I've just hit my fourth. And when you see it draining into the basement, you're like, oh, there's more holes there that we didn't know about, you know. And that's after three, level, three different courses of, anyway. We got to take care of our homes. But you know what? Believe it or not, we need to be living with an eye to eternity, that as we live on this earth, that all the stuff that we invest in our life is you, whether it's you loving your neighbor, whether it's you being uh, serving, whether it's you serving with the kids, whether it's you being merciful to others, all, all of the stuff, right, how we live, all of that matters in eternity. And Paul says, build wisely, build your life carefully right now, today. Pray with me. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.